This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Action. Glory to God. Chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. During our midweek services, we've been talking about um, walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And um, tonight we're going to talk some more about that subject. Uh, and then also we're going to give you an opportunity if you have never been filled with the Spirit and want to be, you sure can. Uh, we'll pray for you and lay hands on you and you'll get filled with the Spirit. Praise God. So, but we want to talk more uh, specifically about the subject again this evening. And here's the thing, you know, you may know, uh, maybe you're already filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you are, that's terrific. What I'd like for you to do is, is be a student in the context of being able to convey what it is that you hear tonight to someone else so that you, you know, in, in your lives have the opportunity to be able to reasonably or intelligently, you know, speak with someone because we're going we're gonna to talk about the value, why tongues, why, why this whole big deal about speaking with other tongues, and then we're going to talk to you about how to receive the Holy Spirit. And so um, if you like, you got a pen, paper, or something like that, you can jot down a few notes and things of that nature. It'll be a blessing to you, and I know that uh, you'll enjoy it. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, we love you tonight. So grateful, Father, for these testimonies, and that you just take a Father's place, Father, and have a Father's care about all the aspects of our lives, Father, not just spiritually, but even as different ones have testified, Father, to your guidance and your leading, and Father, just uh, your ability to sustain and keep us. So tonight, Father, as we look in again to the perfect law of liberty that sets the captive free, we thank you for utterance and unction in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe the Word of God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And of course, we want to welcome all of you that are watching online, you know, either by Facebook or YouTube. Glad you can join us this evening. Praise God. We're going to talk about this subject that's so, so important to the believer. And uh, again, I hope you got a Bible there or something you can look at. Because I'm of the nature as a pastor, I want you to get your beady little eyes on what the Bible has to say. It's not important what I say. It's important what he has already declared. And then we get ourselves in line with that. Amen. Notice here with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 1, it says in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now, he didn't suggest it. He didn't say, well, you know, if I were you, you know, uh, or you might want to think about hanging out. No, he said, the Bible says he commanded them, you know, don't leave Jerusalem. Notice what it says. Uh, here, <clears throat> that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Let me make reference here in talking about this subject, uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, there's references in the scripture that, that ap apply to this, 
and they mean the same thing. Sometimes we'll talk about being filled with the Spirit. We'll talk about the baptism of the Spirit. But there's other references in the Scriptures that talk about just receiving the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit fell on them. These are all uh, the same uh, distinction in, in reference to people being, as we refer to it, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, one reference says poured out on them. Uh, another one says it came upon them. And then again, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. So all of them are, are one and the same as far as referencing this experience that belongs to the believer, praise God, and to every child of God. So he said here, wait for the promise of the Father that you've heard from me. Because again, John truly baptized with water. But thank God you, there's coming a day. Actually, not very far from the day that he made these statements, 11 days to be exact, when he was taken up into heaven. He said, uh, but you shall receive or be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And then notice drop down in verse 8. It says, but you shall receive, what's the next word there? Power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, thank God, has or is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now drop down to chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. Now notice in verse 4, and they were all, everybody say all. They were all filled. There was 120 of them that had gathered together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And then uh, it says they began to speak with other tongues or another language unknown to them as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Who gave them the utterance? The Spirit of God gave them the utterance, didn't he? Hallelujah. So when people tell you that tongues is of the devil, well, it can't be because that's unscriptural. That's not what the Bible says. It says they began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So this promise of the Father was manifested on the day of Pentecost, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, or as it says here, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, you know, many um, have thought, I mean, I did, many have thought, you know, that uh, when a person's born again, they receive the Holy Spirit when, you know, when they're born of the Spirit, and that's all there is. And, and that's, that's the way I was taught. Within the circles that I uh, happened to find my life in Jesus Christ, that's what they taught, you know, as far as uh, the Holy Spirit was concerned. But then, you know, I was introduced to the idea that maybe perhaps there's something subsequent or separate from being born of the Spirit of God. And I looked into that, praise God, you know, because again, initially, that's what I was led to believe. Hallelujah. You know, how many of you know we're on a journey here? Huh? And, and you know, the, the Bible, you know, it's like one minister said, the Bible is pregnant, that it's always giving birth to new facets of revelation. 
So as you walk with the Lord, you come to know and understand things and, and find out about things that, you know, uh, that, well, you thought one way. How many of you thought one way and figured out that ain't the way to think? <laughs> How about the rest of you? Okay, sure, you know, because we're on a journey. We're learning, you know. We, you know, we're, we become lifelong learners. I never knew when I got saved that I was going to become a lifelong learner, but that's what a disciple is. It's a disciplined follower of your teacher or your master, and, of course, that's Jesus. So, so if we look at the Scriptures carefully, we come to discover that the Bible suggests really a, a twofold or a dual working of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, the first of which is to be born of the Spirit, the second of which is to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we're going to look at some Scriptures that make that distinction so that, so that you've got a scriptural reference for what it is that we're talking about. So, again, I just want to talk to you why uh, someone should be filled. In other words, what's, what's the value of this? And then also um, talking about how to receive the Holy Spirit. Because <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, is that the, the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, as a gift has already been given. And the thing that we need to learn is, is that one needs to receive what it is, you know, that, uh, that God has already provided. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, for example, you know, coming up Valentine's Day, you know, if I want to give my wife a gift or something of that nature, and, you know, and I, you know, pull it out and say, honey, I love you, I just want you to have this, but she doesn't receive it, she doesn't reach out and take what it is that I'd like to give to her, then she's going to be without the blessing or the benefit or whatever, however you want to define it, she's not going to have what I have offered her or want to give her, is that right? So it's important for us to understand that when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's already been given. It's simply a matter of us receiving what it is that he's already provided. We'll talk about that a little more. The day of Pentecost was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it's been available to every believer ever since. Now, you know, a lot of folk, they'll live and die and never be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, they'll, get, they'll make heaven, thank God, you know, for that. But, you know, they'll miss out. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on anything. I'd just soon get everything that heaven has to afford, amen? Especially when it comes to living, you know, within this life. Glory to God. I don't want to be, I don't want to have a deficiency, you know, when it comes to the things that God has for me. And Jesus, he spoke repeatedly about the promise of the Father to enable or to empower the believer. How many believers do we have here tonight? So, so he's talking about this promise being given to us, the believer, to empower or to equip, glory to God, the, uh, or enable the believer for works of service. Hallelujah. You know, so he, wait, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And they being sent forth went and preached the word of God everywhere. Amen. But they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mentioned this to you, but as I was studying along these lines, you know, the Spirit of God just within my own spirit made this statement to me that the Holy Ghost has been given to the church as a supply, okay? Or, and, and when I say that, I'm talking about a supply for victorious Christian living. Hallelujah. God never intended for the child of God to go through life, 
you know, whipped and defeated and, you know, just hang on, do the best you can. No, praise God. I mean, is there joy in that? I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, when you take that kind of an attitude, I mean, you're almost living kind of a hopeless, fatalistic life. And that is not at all what Jesus intended for the child of God to live by and to do. Hallelujah. You know, I feel encouraged by the Holy Ghost here just right now to encourage you. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you're up against something, you're facing a difficulty and a challenge in your life, you know, he can take hold together with you in that matter and he can make tremendous power available to bring about changes in a way supernaturally that only he can do. And he wants me to encourage you in that. Hallelujah. You know, and so you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Give yourself to and give yourself permission to set aside some time and begin to pray about that problem or that situation or that issue. Now, you know, you're not, you know, you're not having, you're not trying to drum anything up or you're not trying to, you know, stir anything of that nature. What you're doing is you're just going to say, Father, you know my heart. And you said you'd give, the, give me the desires of my heart. And this right here is not God's plan for my life. And so I want to ask you to help me to pray. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll help you to pray. He'll take hold together with you, and then you can begin to pray in the Spirit. And you're not trying to believe. You're not, you know, working something up or anything of that nature. You're simply just putting yourself in a place where God can use you by the Holy Spirit to pray out the perfect will of God, and you will see the mountain fall in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I was talking to my wife about that. You know, I was talking about just spending time, you know, before the Lord. And, and we're, we're, we're not good at it. You know, we, we just, there's too much going on. You know, I'm going to give you a little, you know, I got a slot here for you, God. But I mean, you know, whatever you got to do or whatever it is you think you need to say, you better do it here because that's it. You know, that's not the way this works. I thought about Saul, you know, when he was arrested on the road to Damascus by, the, by God, by the Lord Jesus. He said, <laughs> Jesus asked him, he said, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Did you know that when you get persecuted, Jesus looks at it as him being persecuted? Huh? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Well, of course, now the interesting thing about that is, is that they led him, he was blind, physically blind as a result of that experience. And uh, he was taken to Damascus. And, and I was just happened to be reading that he, he fasted and prayed for three days. Had no food, no water. Fasting, praying before God. Now, I suspect that if you had an experience like that, it might jerk you up a little bit short too, okay? But my point to this is, is that, you know, why didn't God send Ananias on day one or two? No, no, day three. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. You know, God spoke to Ananias, and he said, I'm here, Lord. And he says, I want you to go down there and minister to him, lay your hands on him so that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But it was three days. We don't, we don't even want to wait three minutes. Are you listening to me?
So I guess I want to encourage, you know, coming back to these people that I was just prompted there uh, by, you know, sometimes, um, you know, maybe you don't have a large amount of time and, and God understands that, but come back to it. And I tell you, if you'll, if you'll ask him to take hold together with you about that situation and you pray, you, call, you can call it, do you understand what I mean? You use the term praying through. You know, when there's a burden on your life or a weight or a heaviness or whatever, sometimes you just got to, you know, get before God and begin to pray in the spirit. God, you got to help me with this. And then you pray. And as you're praying, God gives you utterance. And as you're praying in the spirit, it could be for 20 minutes, could be an hour, could be, I don't know, you know, maybe like I said, you know, you run out of time, you got to go and you, you have to come back to it. But, but here's the thing, when you're praying, you know, when, when you get where you want to go, there'll be a note of victory. All of a sudden, you know, this, this, the thing will change on the inside of you and you'll know you've got it. Some things, you know, we have to, you know, the Bible says that, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. You know, so thank God we can take authority over those things. You know, we can deal with that situation, whether it's in our personal life or maybe it's a loved one or something of that nature. And God can take hold together with you. Because I tell you what, he wants the same thing you do when it comes to deliverance and freedom and joy and, and truth or reality or however you want to define it, where, for example, another person's life is concerned. Praise God. You know, now, you know, a lot of times the devil will lie to you and say, well, you know, they're done. You know, you'll never this, you'll never that, they'll never change. That's not true. Nobody thought that Saul would change either, baby. But I'm telling you what, when Jesus showed up, everything changed. Huh? Matter of fact, when they went back, back to Jerusalem, nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. Because he, they thought he was just going to infiltrate the church and then he was going to, you know, run everybody off into prison and then, you know, give his sentence against them so that they could be killed. Except Barnabas, you know, and he finally, you know, opened up the door and said, no, man, I'm, the guy's good. He's got, got, he really got saved. Hallelujah. So anyway, I, I, I kind of went off on something there. But I'll tell you the reason why is God doesn't want you to be discouraged. Discouragement is not from heaven. It's from hell. And that's one of the things when we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost, you can get that stuff off of you. Did you hear me? My wife and I over the years, he's now four decades now in pastoring the church. I mean, we've come up against some stuff once in a while. And sometimes, you know, praise God, the only thing you know how to know, know to do is to pray. But, you know, when I say that, it's like, well, you know, all I could do is pray. Well, it's not like that at all. You know, what we can do is we can pray. And God will take hold together with us. And praise God, I tell you what, he's turned some things around in our lives and for the church and, you know, situations that we were dealing with. A lot of times we didn't know what to do. You know, how many of you ever had some things you don't know what to do? <laughs> well, thank God he does. Amen. He'll help you. And he doesn't want you. So, so you know, uh, it might be a thing where the first session that you have with him is just, you know, you begin to praise him. Praise God. It's like, you know, and people don't realize the power and the value in just praising God. Well, you can do that in the spirit too, you know, giving thanks. You know, in the scriptures we see, we do hear them speak in our own language, the wonderful works of God. Another place it says that, you know, they were speaking in other tongues and magnified God. 
So a lot of times, you know, when it comes to praying or, or speaking in other tongues, a lot of it is, you know, just that magnification of him in a language that you're, you're un, un, unaccustomed to or unknowing un of, you know, and yet it's, it's coming out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit giving praise to God. Are you listening to me? So I encourage you in that. Hallelujah. Because it'll bless you. It does me all the time. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. Hallelujah. I wonder if he was from the South. You know, did you get that? Think about that a little bit. Y'all, you know, you all. So anyway, <clears throat> hallelujah. So um, somehow I know back here where I was. I got this as I was preparing for this. The Holy Ghost has been given to the church as a supply for victorious living, but few really take advantage of it. That's sad, isn't it? You know, here we got something that's available to us and we don't have time or it doesn't work or, you know, whatever the devil says, you know, to keep us from really enjoying what it is. And, then, and, and that's the reason why I'm teaching on this because a lot of it, you know, people know little about these things. You know, there are, there are churches all over the country, all over the uh, uh, nation, all over America. They don't talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know. They, I don't know what they talk about, but they don't talk about that. But here we have the New Testament. We have the things in the Old Testament we looked at earlier talking about the promise, you know, that God was going to pour out his spirit on us. Glory to God. We're living in that dispensation. All the more reason to take advantage of it. So as a believer... We, we want to have the full measure, not just us, but I'm telling you, God wants you to have the full measure of what's available to you in order to live victoriously in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll give you a great example. Now, here's da uh, Daniel, and he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. He was living in a completely different dispensation, but he was devout, and, and he was a follower of God. And the Bible tells us that he prayed often. Well, there was a conspiracy. Uh, no. Uh, uh, see, what was the deal? Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he got all these sorcerers and magicians together and says, uh, I want you to interpret my dream. He says, sure, not a problem. Just tell us what the dream was, and we'll interpret it for you. He says, no. He says, I want you to tell me what the dream was and tell me what the interpretation of it is. And if you don't, I'm going to have your head. So all the musicians, magicians, not musicians, <laughs> magicians, you know, and uh, they said, well, you know, uh, O King, nobody can do that. He said, well, that's too bad because if you don't come up with something, that's the end. So a decree was made. Let's kill all the <laughs> magicians, yeah, and all the sorcerers, and let's get rid of them, which which somehow or another also included Daniel. And um, so, you know, that would, that would give you reason for being concerned, wouldn't it? But this is what Daniel told the guy that was sent to take his life. He says, well, why, why the hurry? And, you know, so the guy was telling, well, this is what the king said. That's, this was the decree. He said, give me some time and I'll come up with it. So he prayed, and guess what? He came up with it. Now, he didn't come up with that on his own, did he? No, the Holy Ghost helped him. But my point to that is to say that in an ominous 
um, uh, kind of um, uh, situation that looked like there was no answer, God showed up. And I believe that he can do that in our lives too. Amen. Praise God. You know, the devil, he'll, he's so often he'll torment people and tell them, you know, you've had it. This, ain't, this is never going to change. It's always, that's a lie. I said it's a lie, and you need to know it's a lie. You know, but he keeps harassing you and haranguing you and, and just pounding you with it, praise God. I tell you what, I'm just telling you, you can turn circumstances around, you and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And he'll do it for you because he loves you. Glory to God. So he wants us to have a full, full measure of what's available to us in order to live this kind of life and to have everything at our disposal. Turn with me to the Acts of Apostles chapter 8. I want you to uh, look at a couple uh, places here. We're talking about the value uh, of the Holy Ghost. And I haven't got to that yet, so I'm just kind of, you know, circling the wagon, Okay. Notice what it says here in Acts chapter 8. Now, maybe what I would preface this reading uh, to you with is the simple fact that what you're going to discover when we read these is, is that there's a, a very clear distinction made between people being born of the Spirit and then being filled with the Spirit, okay? So notice with me in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spake, hearing, seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with him, and many taken with palsies or crippling paralysis, and many that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city, naturally. Evidently, Philip, you know, as an evangelist, was anointed, you know, when it come particularly to, because God will anoint people for different things. You know, like I'm thinking about uh, Reed's wife, Jenny, you know, when it comes to getting baptized of the Holy Ghost, uh, you better be careful. Don't be hanging out with her. Or you're going to get filled because she's anointed to do it. But in this case, it says he cast out devils and those that were paralytic or had the paralysis and uh, were lame were healed. So there was a gifting or an anoint. You know, men don't do these things. God does. He anoints men to minister to others in order for them to be healed. And of course, there was great joy in the city. Now let's drop down to verse 12. It says again then, when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Now what did uh, Jesus say in Mark chapter 16, 15? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be, what's the next word? Saved. saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Okay? So he that believes and is baptized, we read in this verse of Scripture in verse 12, that they believed the preaching of Philip, huh? And uh, the things concerning the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So you'd have to assume then that they're born again, Right? if they're baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, let's drop down to verse 14. Now that when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, how many of you know you gotta receive the word of God? Amen. Uh, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might, what's that next word? 
receive what? The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they what? They did what? They received the Holy Ghost. So one method in which people can be filled with the Holy Ghost is by people laying, you know, believers laying hands on them to receive what it is. Now, I find this interesting because I, I woke up early this morning and... Uh, couldn't get back to sleep, so I just went out in the living room and began to meditate on some of these things. And, uh, you know, at 4.30 in the morning, nobody will really really bother you very much, not even your wife. Hallelujah, you know. And uh, so I was thinking about this, and I thought to myself, now here's an interesting concept. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So it was important to him, right? So now, when Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them, and they, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, believed, and they were baptized, and they were saved. They got saved. And the Bible says that when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received, they sent the two top apostles down there so they could get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, and when I was saying, I mean, I've never had this thought before, but it makes all the sense in the world. In other words, when they heard that they had been born again, they sent two guys down there to make sure they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? I mean, you know, if it wasn't important, if there wasn't value there, they wouldn't have sent these two men from Jerusalem down there for that to happen. Isn't that right? So uh, you'll notice here again then now, <clears throat> notice what it says. Who when they were come down, verse 15, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he had fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, it doesn't say that they spoke with other tongues, but something happened. You can't see the Holy Ghost, but you can see the results of the Holy Ghost. And we know that from the Scriptures following in verse 18. It says that when Simon, who was a sorcerer, you know, he was, you know, involved in all kinds of occultic kinds of behaviors and things like that. Saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was uh, given. He offered them money, saying unto them, Give me also this power that on whom, whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you have thought that, what's, what's, what's those next words? The gift of God can be purchased with money. The gift of God. The gift of God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the gift of God. Are you with me? So we don't want to miss out on any gifts that he has, right? Let's turn over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I uh, won't go into all the details of this story other than the fact that there was a... Uh, centurion named uh, uh, Cornelius, and uh, he's, he's not of Jewish ethnicity, but he had a vision. An angel came and visited him and uh, said that his prayers and his alms had come up from, for a memorial before God. You know, when you do almsgiving, that's giving to the poor, and when you're praying, guess what? God knows it. And so he, he comes and visits this guy in a supernatural way. And he says, send men to Joppa and inquire at the uh, house uh, 
of Simon the Tanner. For behold, there's a man by the name of Simon Peter there, you know, and he's, he's seen, you know, so on and so forth. And then, and so uh, he did just that. He sent him down there. Peter's down there in Joppa. He's up on the top of the roof praying, waiting for lunch, and the women are slow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on already. Well, anyway, while he's waiting, he falls into a trance, and he sees this sheet, you know, drawn up into, you know, uh, from the four corners, and in there's all kinds of unclean things. Spirit of God says, uh, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, well, nothing unclean's ever entered in my mouth, you know. And so this happened a number of different times, and then it, it you know, went. And his, you know, when he fell into a trance, his physical senses were suspended. So he had this vision. And so um, when it came to the end of this vision that he had, the Spirit of God said to him, three men seek thee, or they're at the door. He said, go with them, don't doubt a thing. Well, again, you know, they, they explained to him what the deal was, that he had come from this, you know, centurion's house, a Roman guy, you know. So Peter, and this is weird, you know, I was thinking about this, but, you know, the, the Jews, I don't know if they felt like they just, they were the only ones that could get saved or what the deal was, but they didn't have any dealings with the Gentiles, you know, and, and Joan and I were talking about this over coffee, you know, how, you know, you talk about all these ethnic, you know, racial divides and things like that. Dude, it's been around forever, you know, and, um, you know, and what God said to Peter in the, in the vision is he said, what God has cleansed, do not call that uncommon, you know. So, something very supernatural is going on here to basically show the Jews that the door had been opened to the Gentiles as well for them to be saved. So he goes and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm doing the long story here, but you read chapter 10, you'll get all this, you know, and uh, Cornelius explains why it is that he had sent the men and the vision that he had had and so on and so forth. Now, notice in verse four, uh, 44, while Peter yet spake, and basically he was just saying, you know, God, you know, uh, there's salvation available. While he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, now notice the, the, the term, fell on them, okay? Fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift, everybody say gift, yeah, of the Holy Ghost, for or because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so Peter said, can anybody forbid water that these may be baptized? And so, of course, they were, and uh, there was great rejoicing in that home. My reason for saying this or using this again is to show you this separate thing of them believing. Actually, they got, they got born again and filled all at once, which is kind of cool, huh? You know, and Peter took six people, six Jews with him, because they're not, they're, they weren't even supposed to go in their house. These guys come rolling in there, you know, and, and so something supernatural, God made it so apparent you couldn't miss this if you tried, that I'm, I'm pouring out my spirit on the Gentiles too. And so Peter had these witnesses. In, in chapter 11, when he goes back to Jerusalem, dude, they dress him down, um, 
Look in, in, in 11 verse 2, when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision or the Jewish people contended with him. Does your Bible say something different than contended? Huh? Criticized? What'd you say? Uh, criticized. criticized him. Dude, they dressed him down. And, you know, he basically told them the story. He says, who am I to, you know, resist God, man? I'm standing mind my own business. And the Spirit of God comes on them just like it did on us in the beginning. Well, that shut them up. Isn't that good? Don't you like to shut up religion? Glory to God forevermore. So they got filled. Now let's go to Acts chapter 19. You guys are great listeners. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain, what's that next word? What are they? They're what? They're disciples. Okay? They're disciples. Disciples. Now notice what it goes on then to say. He asked in verse 2, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, Well, we don't even, we, we have not so much as heard whether there is any Holy Ghost. He said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, To John's baptism. And he said, John truly baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got born again. Now notice this in verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. Now, you know, here again is another usage of words where we, we see where it fell on them. In this scripture, it says, it came upon them, okay? Hallelujah. Thank God. It gets me excited just thinking about it. Came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about 12. So a dozen guys got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And spoke with other tongues. I use these scriptures, you know, uh, to help you, you know, understand this dual working of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. Now, here, here's a few things to help you in understanding this, because a lot of times people get mixed up. Have you ever noticed that? You know, a lot of mixed up folk. Well, thank God the Bible will straighten out your thinking. Amen? So there's a few things that you need to understand about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Primarily, the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a devotional gift. What I mean by that is it's a gift that God has given to you for you to in your relationship with him. It's a devotional gift. Does that make sense to you? Now, so, and, and yet the Bible talks about divers or different kinds of tongues, okay? So what we need to understand in that context is, you know, I would say it this way, that in essence, all tongues are the same, but they're not, they don't all have the same purpose. Because what we need to understand is when, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, it again is primarily a devotional gift. So there's a private side to being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and there's a public side. Are you with me? 
okay? And that's where a lot of confusion comes in because people will take 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, I think it is, and it says, you know, are all, do all work miracles, do all speak with tongues. And they'll say, see, right there it says not everybody speaks with tongues. Well, you have to understand the context of that verse is talking about ministry gifts and giftings like tongues and the interpretation of tongues as we see in chapter 12. Are you with me? Which is a public side, you know, to uh, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues. Are you with me? Okay, and so I think that's important, you know, for people to, to catch that, and hopefully I've, exp- I've explained it in a way that is clear, you know, because again, I'll appeal to you in the context that, you know, primarily, I mean, you know, uh, when, I'm, when I'm speaking with other tongues or praying in other tongues, ain't nobody else around. I mean, my wife would be around or something, you know. Now, sometimes we get together with other people, pray in the Spirit. We've done that before, you know, all right, but primarily it's devotional. And uh, I encourage you, praise God, with regard to that. So um, get all of it you can. Five reasons why every believer should speak with other tongues. You ready for this? Number one, speaking with other tongues is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Again, let me, let me refer to, you don't have to turn there, Mark chapter 16, 15. It says, uh, it says, uh, You ever hit a blank spot? There it is. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned or condemned. Does it say damned? Okay. Now notice this. And these signs shall follow them that, what's the next word? Believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So it's the initial sign of you being filled with the Spirit, hallelujah, in the context, the biblical context of what we're talking about here. So now here's another thing. In Acts chapter 2 and 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. So again, it serves as that initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Now, uh, your wife, she must be working in the nursery or something. Yeah. She got filled with the Holy Ghost here two, three weeks ago. Have you been able to, you still, you guys getting along all right? Or is she just a wild woman? Everything's okay. Good. Yeah. But you know, I mean, the thing of it is, is that she was so amazed, you know, just, you know, and the same thing with another uh, gal that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It's a blessing. Everybody say it's a blessing. Yeah, it's a blessing to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So it's the initial evidence. Number two, speaking with other tongues causes spiritual edification. Your brain isn't edified. Your body's not edified, but your spirit is. Amen? Because it's coming out of your spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 with me real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Notice verse 4. It says here, He that speaks... In an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Hallelujah. He that prophesies edifies the church. I don't need to get into that part. But notice it says edifies himself. This Greek word, you know, is a word that we get the word to edify or to build up. We could say like, you know, um, to charge, 
You know, like when you got a battery and it's like, well, what's, what's the problem? It needs a charge. And so when we speak with other tongues, there's an edification, a personal edification that comes by speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. How many of you that are filled with the Holy Ghost can attest to the fact that when you first start praying, there's not a whole lot of inspiration? Huh? But you know, how many of you can also attest to the fact that once you get to going pretty soon, that inspiration begins to come. The utterance comes. You know, there's this lifting that takes place in the life of the believer when we pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Now, notice verse 2 in this same chapter. Back up for, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks, well, King James uses the word mysteries, or we could say divine secrets. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, well, what's that? what good is that to me? Well, like I said, if you pray in the Spirit, it'll edify you. Glory to God. And there's some things, you know, that God will make you to know, and it blesses you. Praise God. So God has given to the church a divine, supernatural means of communicating with Him. Hallelujah. So I can pray in the Spirit. Praise God. God's given, or I mean, the Spirit of God's given me the utterance to talk to my Father. Hallelujah. And it's good. Amen. Now, notice with me in the same chapter, verse 14. Notice this. It says in verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So you can speak with other tongues, but you can also pray with other tongues. But it says here in this verse that we just talked about, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. And I love that. Because tell you what, he can help you when you have a need in your life. Are you listening to me? So when you read these scriptures, it's amazing to me why people will question the value of speaking or praying with other tongues. So number one, it's the initial evidence. Number two, it causes spiritual edification. Number three, speaking with other tongues reminds us of his indwelling presence. You can't speak with other tongues if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're an unbeliever, that ain't going to happen. Huh? Are you listening to me? Praise God, but if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it reminds us of his indwelling presence. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither does it know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. Glory to God, and he shall be in you. So praise God. What it does is it stirs up the consciousness of God's indwelling presence in your life when you pray in other tongues. I I dare say there's a lot of uh, Christians that have gotten saved and even filled with the Holy Ghost. They haven't prayed in tongues forever. They They don't pray in tongues. So there's no spiritual edification taking place in their life whatsoever. Well, that's a sad way to live, my friends, because I tell you what, praise God, You know, the Bible says that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink and doing all the things, you know, every jot and tittle perfectly like you're supposed to, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So I encourage you, praise God, if you haven't been praying with other tongues, speaking with other tongues, then now's a good time. Uh, Howard Carter, um, he wrote a book entitled Questions and Answers on the Gifts of the Spirit. Interestingly enough, 
he wrote this book or he received the revelation while he was in prison. He was a, uh, a British man who was a conscientious objector of World War Number One, and they threw him in prison because he wouldn't go to war. Well, while he was there, God gave him this revelation about the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't have the book, I'd, you can chase it down someplace, I'm sure. But I'm telling you what, the revelation of that is outstanding. Well, anyway, he was also, Howard Carter was also the supervisor of the uh, Assemblies of God in Great Britain. And, and, and actually, he founded the oldest Pentecostal uh, Bible school in the world. Long, long, long time ago. Hallelujah. Thank God for Howard Carter. Amen. Well, he made this statement. He said, speaking with other tongues is not only the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit's infilling, but it's a continual experience for the rest of one's life, or at least it ought to be. Amen. Praise God. So speaking with other tongues is this flowing stream that should never dry up and will enrich your life spiritually. Number four reasons or value praying with other tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will hallelujah let's look at Romans chapter 8 we're running out of time here again imagine that Romans chapter 8 glory to God may have to cut this short I'll give you some other reasons later how about that Romans 8 and verse 26 Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our, uh, King James uses the word infirmities, um, but does it, uh, uses the word, oh, that's King James up there, weaknesses, okay, weaknesses. And it says, for we, and what is the weakness, Paul? For we know not how to pray, or we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in a known language or tongue. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So the Holy Ghost will take hold with you to pray. Glory to God when it comes to the needs that are in your life. And not only that, you know, praise God, it'll be a Spirit-directed prayer instead of a selfish-directed prayer. How many of you know sometimes we do a little selfish praying? Huh? God, I sure wish you would do something about this because it's making my life kind of ugly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying by the unction of the Holy Spirit, and he's not so concerned about you. Huh? He's concerned about the person or the situation or the whatever the case might be. So then it becomes a more spirit-directed kind of praying than a selfish kind of praying. Hallelujah. And uh, I don't have time to get into all of that. But, you know, not only that, but I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't know how to pray. We get calls all the time. You know, we just we heard about a couple different situations here just tonight before we came to church. You know, so prior to the service, you know, I was um, I was prepared and everything like that, but I was just praying in the Holy Ghost, and I decided, you know, I'm going to take those things up. So there was this individual over here, and there's an individual over here. One saved, one isn't. You know, they both have their own kinds of things that they're having to deal with. But I said, you know, Father, help me to pray for them. Give me utterance in the Holy Ghost. I prayed as much as I knew you know, about the situation, but now I want to pray and I want to ask the Lord to, 
you know, intervene in the situation to bring about a desired result that will give honor and glory to him. Amen. So, you know, a lot of times we don't know. And, and again, Joan and I, a lot of times we'll have people that, you know, uh, give us prayer requests, call us on the phone. We don't know the details about it or whatever. So we got to take off in the spirit. God, we ask you to give us utterance in the Holy Ghost. And we'll just begin to pray in the spirit, you know, about that situation. And then he gives us utterance. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said, amen. amen. Glory to God. So, uh, you know, again, the Bible says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And that your spirit praying is by the help and the aid of uh, uh, the Holy Ghost. One more. You got time for one more? You know, there's not enough time. Have you noticed that? Look at Jude, the book of Jude, just before you get to the book of Revelations. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, thank you, Lord. That's right. Okay, um, good, thank you. Amen. Uh, notice here, the last point that I'd make is that praying with tongues in other tongues. Now listen, listen to what I'm going to tell you stimulates faith, okay? It doesn't give you faith. It stimulates faith. Notice this 20th verse in Jude. It says here, but you, beloved, building up yourselves, same definition, you know, as uh, edifying yourselves, on your most holy faith, on the faith that you have, huh? praying in the Holy Ghost, and then keep yourself in the love of God. And you know what? Praying in the Holy Ghost will keep you in the love of God too. You know, if you get more conscious, you know, spirit conscious, and let him have a little voice and vent in your life, you won't be so ornery. Huh? You'll start probably start repenting. Hallelujah. But it'll keep you in the love of God, you know. Why? Because the edification of your spiritual man, you know, when you come up against something and something kind of, you know, rubs you the wrong way, ruffles your feathers or something like that, because you've been praying in the Holy Ghost and you're built up in Him, instead of responding in a uh, carnal or a, an ungodly or whatever kind of way, it'll, it'll hold you. How many of you know we need to be held sometimes? Yeah, it'll do just that. So I encourage you, praise God, pray in the Spirit. You know, glory to God. Get in your car and drive down a road, you know. I mean, hopefully you're going somewhere, but you know what I'm saying. Pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up. Because I tell you, it'll stimulate the faith that's in your life, and it'll bless you. Praise God. There's, there is simply an enabling power, everyone, that comes from being filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now, if you're here tonight and you have not been filled with the Spirit, and you want to be, I'm going to, I'll pray with you when we dismiss, because I know that we've went away, or we've went away, but if you're hungry, and you're ready, and you say, I want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, then you just come after we dismiss, and come on down here, and we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. And you'll get filled. That'd be all right with you? Let's commit this to our hearts. Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you so much for your blessing in our lives. And God, I ask you to help all of us, Father, to give vent. Yes, yield to the Spirit of God, in our personal lives, in our prayer lives, in our time with you, Father. And I thank you, Father, for speaking to us about specific matters here tonight. Glory to God. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. 
Mm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm, encourage them, Father, in what it is that you've said to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, Father, help them to cast the care mm, over onto you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Mm. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus.